Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Chat, where we're working to destroy and dismantle stereotypes about justice-impacted people. We can't wait for you to hear from our next guest, so stay tuned. Hi, welcome to a, another episode of The Chat. We are here today with Dr. Carmen Johnson. It is such a pleasure to have you on. Thank you for having me. And I'm just really excited because you recently wrote and published a book, which I happen to have right here and it's behind you as well, The Pretense of Justice. It's amazing. And I just love to hear more about uh, this book that you wrote. Well, uh, it's a very emotional uh, a book that uh, I, I wrote and um, it it paints the uh, the reality of what I went through in the the, the justice system, and um, you know, it's not a, a grimy jail book. It's really a book about you know my life, you know my uh, my upbringing, um, you know who I am, what I stand for, what I believe in. And, you know, the successes that I that I had and and then all of a sudden everything was just taken away from me because I made a lot of powerful people mad. And, um, you know, I was so green. I had no idea that, you know, being the at that time, being the housing chair for the state conference in WACP of Maryland was ultimately going to affect me in terms of my life. And um, it ultimately did. Uh, it talks a little bit about, you know, the housing crisis and, and, and you know, you know, back in 2007, eight, nine, you know, 10, you know, the federal government bailed out Wall Street. And then next thing you know, here come the the the, the foreclosures that was happening all around the United States and, and people of different uh, races and uh, groups uh, and uh, cultures was was losing their homes left and right. And, um, you know, you know, me trying to, you know, get a moratorium to freeze the foreclosures in the state of Maryland and to set up a commission so we can investigate why these foreclosures were happening in the state of Maryland and ultimately being accused and blamed for the foreclosures that happened in the state of Maryland. And, you know, uh, went to trial, ultimately lost and was uh, sent to a prison camp that that absolutely blew my mind and um, it changed my life. And I now call it a sabbatical that had to happen. And, um, and that's, that was the purpose of writing a book. And the book is based on love, um, is based on um, understanding that this, this journey was meant for me to be able to help others maneuver through this, uh, this system and not be a victim like I was. Thank you for that. It's really powerful. I mean, thank you for your words and thank you for putting your words on paper so other people can, you know, read and learn about all of the things that you worked on and just kind of that, what that process did to you. You're um, a very fearless leader. And I know a lot of us look up to you and appreciate, um, appreciate your sacrifices for speaking the truth. Thank you. Um, yeah, thank you. So where can people get your book? Um, 
We have it on Amazon right now. And um, my nonprofit is the publisher of the book, Helping Ourselves to Transform. And um, so you can go to Amazon and you can purchase. We have the soft copy, black and white, the soft copy colored, the hard copy, black and white, the hard copy colored. And um, like I said, it's on Amazon. Um, at some point, we'll move it over to our website. Um you know, but as of right now, that's the easiest way to uh, to 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 purchase the book is is through Amazon. And yeah, I feel extra honored because I have a special signed copy. So, yeah, it's an amazing book. Definitely head over to Amazon and grab it. Um, and so you said you have a nonprofit as well called Helping Ourselves to Transform. Can you tell us a little bit more about kind of the vision of putting that together and, and the work that you do there? Well, when well, when I was politically when I was first politically hit, um, I had another nonprofit called the Katie Abel Foundation. And so we taught financial literacy from elementary school into the colleges. And um, we also taught about entrepreneurship and life skills and things of that nature, teaching them how to be uh, not to be consumers, but invest in themselves and and being leaders and also teaching them how to um, to interact with their their politicians and 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 be the best that they could possibly be at. You know, I have about. 900 and something babies running around out there and you know they're still finding me on Facebook and Instagram and stuff like that but anyway when I uh went on my sabbatical um you know going through trial and 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 dealing with the 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 feds um you know and being forced to take a plea which I refused and um ultimately going to trial and losing and then going through the journey of finally getting to the, the prison camp that I was um, at and then uh, being uh, physically abused by guards um, and mentally abused and um, ultimately filing a lawsuit uh, against the, the prison camp with 21 defendants, which were all staff members and guards and the captain and the warden and all of that kind of stuff. And um the, the some of the torturous things that they did to me and, you know, and then, you know, coming home after three years and some months, um, I couldn't function. Like I felt like I was in a fishbowl. And not only did I feel like I was in a fishbowl, but I also was walking with a sense of embarrassment. And, you know, like I would call people that was my friend's before my sabbatical and, you know, they would talk to me and then I would call them back and my number would be blocked. I mean, it was just, it was just a disaster. And then, you know, realizing when I came home, my house was foreclosed on and, you know, my credit was messed up and, you know, I lost everything that I had, you know, I wasn't given the benevolence uh, at trial to handle my affairs. And so I, I couldn't handle my personal affairs, my business affairs. I couldn't do anything because they arrested me immediately. And so, you know, my my youngest sister had to step in and, and, and make sure, you know, I had a nice place to stay and, and, you know, and that, you know, I had the things that I needed in order to survive out here. 
And she, for about a year and a half, I did nothing. I had like 21 ways how I was going to kill myself, I, you know, and, um, you know, not to mention I got caught up on electronics and stuff like that because in three years, a lot can change. And I saw the the this documentary um, and it was about a young man named Khalif Broder from New York. And I had never heard of him and he is known as the Backpack Kid. And he went to Rakers Island when he was like 16 or something. And they was trying to force him to say he took a backpack and he didn't. And I had no idea how the documentary was going to end because, like I said, I never heard of him. And so anyway, um, on with him, the difference between he and I, all his beatings and stuff from the guards was shown on video where my you know, and I've never experienced domestic violence before, but me being jumped by male guards and strangled and to pass out and all kinds of stuff. And my stuff wasn't documented. But to see the footage of him being beat, it just it just broke my heart. And I um, mean, when he came home, he kept telling everybody, you know, I'm messed up, I'm messed up. And I kept telling everybody I'm messed up. And everyone just remembered who I was and no one was taking me serious that I was having issues addressing address. Uh, I was having issues in addressing who who I was at that point, because, you know, being mind controlled into thinking that you are a criminal, you are a felon, you are this, you are that. And I refused to accept it while I was while I was at that prison camp. And that was the purpose of me being jumped and beat up a couple of times by the guards was because I refused to answer the criminal or inmate. But when I came home, I had to deal with society looking at me and whispering, there she go. And, you know, I heard all of that stuff. And so all those accolades and those fancy boards and stuff that I sat on back then, it didn't mean anything. All they saw was a criminal. And it was really unfortunate. And so, like I said, I had 21 ways how I was going to kill myself until I finished that documentary not knowing that at the end that, you know, Khalif Broder was going to kill himself. And he hung himself over his bedroom window of his mother's house. And I just started bawling because I'm like, you know, my 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 family live in South Carolina. I'm the only one up here in the DMV area. And suppose my family come here because they haven't heard from me and I'm in here dead. And um, And so I had to pull myself together. And so I got into mental health therapy. I've been in therapy for almost four years now, and I still go every single Friday. And um, my sister, kind of youngest sister, who's nine years younger than me, Karen, she forced me to start this nonprofit. And I didn't want to do it. And she was like, well, you have to all the stuff that you went through. We have to make a difference. We have to find the meaning to why you had to go through what you went through. You can't just lay on the sofa and just be sad about it. We have to do something about it. And that's what we did. So um, August 2020, we became a, a 501c3. And um, we deal with uh, people that are still behind the wall in prisons, jails, camps, and cages, men, women, and youth. Um, we deal with uh, people coming home on the reentry side of it. Um, we also help with preparing people to, uh, to be released, uh, preparing them for parole, and then helping them get released on parole. We also help uh, people get out of jail as well, jails, prison camps, and cages. And um, 
We do so many different things, um, you know, um, you know, I write a little legislation and, um, you know, I, you know, know a lot of, you know, politicians to be able to make things happen. Um, you know, I advocate for people that are getting ready to go through the injustice system. And um, and so I uh, fight for them in order for the the judge to release them to to our nonprofit uh, to give us an opportunity to work with them. I guess it's like a diversion type situation. And um, and so now we're also getting ready to um, unveil our youth diversion program, which I'm so excited about that because the youth has been so important to me for so many years. And so in the springtime, around February or March, we'll be unveiling that and we'll be working with the U.S. attorney for the District of Maryland um, to to help with us with this. And um, so we are just really, really excited about that, because at the end of the day, people my age and older are they have just messed everything up. And so for me, the way I look at it is our youth are our future. And so I'm back focused on our youth. And I spend a lot of time with uh, college students as well. I do lectures um, with law students that are going to school to be defense attorneys. And um, and now I'm moving into also working with um, students that are studying psychology, sociology, uh, psychiatry, um, and I'm thinking that I also want to start doing lectures in front of uh, students that are taking up being a prosecutor. And that's something that I hadn't thought about in the last couple of years. But in the last few months, I'm like, hmm, I need to take that into consideration because they need to understand what happened to me and what my journey was like. And if this happened to me, this I'm sure has happened to so many others. And are they okay with this? Or do they really want to serve justice? Or do they really want to hurt? Because at the end of the day, I'm a practicing Buddhist and we all are one. So do you really want to make a difference or do you really want to hurt? And so, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing all of that. Um, I heard that in there. I heard our youth for our future and just how many of the great services and activism work that you're doing here in the community. I know like locally and on a national level. So really appreciate it. Um, I think definitely, you know, that your sisters, I'm glad you had your sisters there to help you get off the couch because you're such a bright light, bringing a lot, um, bringing a lot to the world and, and contributing so much to the, to the next generation. I see you out there <laughs> with the young folks that are just very, very, um, you know, gravitate towards you and your leadership, your experience, your wisdom and your pose. So thank you for that. Um, yeah. What do you think, you know, based on your both your professional, your personal expertise are like some of the best reentry trip tips for folks that are coming back, um, you know, in like, what are the things that you think would be helpful for other people transitioning back in like to have access to? The first thing is mental health. Like, you know, I, you know, mentor with or oversee in my nonprofit uh, mentorship happening. And a lot of, you know, men and women and some youth, they'll they'll come home and say that nothing's wrong with them. 
I don't believe that. Like, I mean, one day blew my mind. You know what I mean? So just think about someone that has been in jail, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. And then you're telling me that nothing's wrong with you. Then I know that something's wrong with you. And so for me, the very first thing is mental health. That's the first thing. And then the second thing is, is also identifying what your triggers are, what your, what your, what are your demons from this experience? Like for me, I still sleep on the edge of the bed and I have a queen size bed. You know, I have nice dishes and I still eat out a bowl. I'm being transparent. I still eat out a bowl. And then I hear so many triggers and issues as I, you know, talk to, you know, men, women and youth. And I'm like, yeah, I understand that. And even though we all have different type of triggers and stuff, but we're still messed up from the system, whether you're guilty or innocent. As a matter of fact, when you're innocent, it's even worse. Um, but mental health is first and then proper housing, because like, for example, when I first came home, I hear that it was all these programs that was out there and blah, 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 blah. And, and I thought that it would be easy for me to be able to get a place. And that wasn't the case. And so then they was trying to put me in some transition or something. And I'm like, yo, I've been around women for three years and some months. I don't want to, I don't want to see a woman. I need to be by myself, you know, and then it's other people that need to be around other people. So it's like each shoe don't fit one per, like one shoe don't fit all the people that are coming home. And that's the part that people are missing. And even or other organizations are missing that part because I went to different organizations trying to get help. And they was like, well, we can help you with your resume. Well, here's my resume. Holy cow, she's overqualified. Okay, well, we can help you with your ID. Well, I got my driver's license. It's right here. Well, we can help you with your birth certificate. I have my birth certificate. No one knew what to do with me. And so for me, it was very difficult because no one, and that, that helped with the mental health breakdown was because no one knew what to do with me. And so at helping ourselves to transform, we make sure if we don't have the answer, we're going to go find it. And if don't nobody else have the answer, then we're going to go create it. And that's the purpose of being on different boards now and, and, and being connected politically to make a difference, to have a chair at the table. You know what I mean? In order to say, look, this is what reentry look like, you know, and um, that that's the, the 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 two things is dealing with your mental health, identifying what your issues are, being honest and identifying them and and and, and housing. You know, those are three things. And for me, somebody like me, like I couldn't go get a job. I remember when I first got to the halfway house and they was banging on the door the second day. Get up, get up. And I'm like, get up. What, what? What's going on? And they hand me this pink slip. And I'm like, what is this? Oh, we need you to go get a job at UPS. Not that there's anything wrong with UPS, but that's not the type of work to do that. I'm like, I can't, I can't do this. I can't do this kind of work. And I'm like, I'm mentally can't handle this. And um, you know, you know, thank goodness I know about politics and I was able to get some political push on the halfway house for them to leave me alone. So I had to deal with the, the jail. Then I had to deal with the halfway house and, you know, and, um, you know, I had to, it just, it just needs yeah. to be more help and understanding. 
That's really good perspective. I think a good reminder for like everybody that's listening and watching is that, you know, there isn't like a one size fits all situation. And that's like a lot of what the carceral system does. And, uh, or as you say, the injustice system, which I prefer, um, that terminology, but like, it's trying to make everybody fit into a certain type of box. And, and it just, uh, isn't, it's, that's not healthy. That's not good for anybody's mental health. Um, so I'm glad that you point that out. And I know, so maybe, maybe your sisters or aside from your sisters, like, and I know you're a mentor to a lot of people, but like who, or what was it, what were some things that folks did for you at any time in your life? (laughs) That just really, and I know some of that's in your book too, but just that really brought out that piece inside of you that makes um, Dr. Carmen Johnson, Dr. Carmen Johnson. Like, what's that? Who, like, what are those things that people have told you that have kind of kept you growing when you've hit bottom? I mean, I really didn't know what the bottom was until I looked up and saw the bottom, and that was me going through the system. So I never. You know, in in Buddhism, they have this thing where you have to walk in the middle. So if you experience good, you have to experience bad. You experience the sun, you got to experience the rain. And so I didn't have those type of issues until I was an adult. And um, is it was that good? I don't know. Was it bad? I don't know. But what I do know that was horrible was when. I looked up and saw the bottom and no one could help me. Um, And I've been to the Supreme Court twice. But in terms of building my character and building who I am, I give, you know, great honor to my grandmother, Katie Harrison Abel, and to my father, Roger Johnson, and to my mom, who passed away in December 2020, and um, Marguerite Johnson. And I give, you know, honors to an old man named Mr. Walter Bell, who was um, Jewish. And um, and now, right now, is all of this Jewish and Black people stuff that's happening right now, and everybody's arguing, and it's just a mess. And you know, and I have a a connection to the the Jewish community, and um, and you know. I haven't, you know, you know, Mr. Bell helped me become a shrewd businesswoman. And he taught me a lot in terms of, you know, you know, keeping the books clean, keeping an attorney on on standby and 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 customer service was everything and being an honest, an honest person. And um, so he really picked up where my grandmother, my mom and my dad left off at. And um and that's how I lived my life. And then, you know, and I, you know, ran into some some Irish attorneys who were just uh, picked up where all the, you know, my last mentors left off at. And, um, you know, one of them is a judge and um, and, the, you know, the other brothers are, are attorneys and, you know, I've always just wanted to do the right thing. And so what happened to me, I didn't even see it coming. And however, I survived. Um, Yes, you did. Um, I'm always impressed by how connected you are. And I know you're connected. And I'm honored to call you a friend as well. Hope you're comfortable calling you a friend. Um, Yeah. And I know that 
every time I meet with you, there's always, you always reflect back on Buddhism. And it sounds like that's such a strong, like centering core principle. Was there, were you always a Buddhist or did you become Buddhist at like a certain point in your life? How did that come into your life? Um, I grew up Pentecostal Christian. And so Mother Teresa was my idols, you know, my idol. And when other uh, youth was into like other idols, I don't know. Um, that's who my idol was. I wanted to to go around the world and feed the hungry children and and things of that nature. I mean, as a little girl, I mean, I, I remember... Um, the, the daughter from the Archie Bunker, um, that show used to come on and she had a commercial and, um, and, um, and it was about feeding the, the children and the, the women around the world. And I remember I used to be so glued to the TV and I'm like, Ma, dad, I have, I have to feed the kids. Like I have to feed the women, like, and, you know, and, and, you know, now I'm, you know, I'm a member of the United Nations, um, um, however, that was my biggest passion was just I just wanted everybody to be just happy. I just and and full and not hungry and loved and and so then my brother, which is a year older than me, he um he uh died of full blown AIDS in nineteen ninety four, December fourth, nineteen ninety four. And I asked him, how did he become, you know, gay? And um, and he, we talked about it. And then a couple of days later, he passed away. And I was so angry with God for so long. Like for a long time, I was so angry with him. And um, and then I started, I knew that I needed some type of spirituality in my life. So I started researching different, you know, religions and 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 spiritualities and stuff like that. And I chose to be a Tibet Buddhist and also a scholar of metaphysics, science of the mind and mental science. So I'm really hardcore on what you put out is what you get back. That's why my experience is so important to find the meaning of it and to make sure no one else, whether they're innocent or guilty, go through the pain and suffering that I went through. Thank you. I appreciate you sharing all of that with us so much. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's just been an honor to have you on and hear everything that you have to, to, you know, to share with everybody and like the depths of your story, um, definitely recommend that everyone, um, get your book. We'll link it to, it's a, it's a phenomenal book and, and, um, you know, dare I say life-changing, um, I know we don't have too much more of your time. I did. Did you want to drop information about the event in DC or should we just leave that online and not bring it to the chat? What do you think? Um, well, your call. well, first I do want to say that all proceeds of the book goes to the nonprofit just to let everyone know that. And number two, there is a um, event that's happening in DC on the 19th of December, I believe is the 19th. And we'll be on the steps of the mayor's office. And so we'll be uh, 
fighting for housing and 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 other things that that um, people that are coming home need. And so for me personally, I'm going to be speaking more so about the women because no one tends to care about the women like they care about the men. And so uh, for me, I'll be speaking from a female perspective. I appreciate that. Yeah, I do think it's a very underaddressed topic. And I think there is a lot of uniqueness that happens, unique experiences with people that are women that end up behind bars. So um, with that, I think we only have a minute or two left of your time. And so if there's anything else that you want to tell our viewers, we have viewers both inside and outside. Is there any last um, thoughts that you want to leave with them? No, I think that you are amazing and I'm looking forward to you with that black robe on as a judge. And I am just so honored with the work that you do. And um, and I am honored to be your friend. Thank you. Likewise, so much. I, I can't <laughs> I can't express it. People definitely put people in your path for a reason. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you for being with us for another episode of The Chat. We appreciate all of our listeners, viewers, and supporters. If you want to know more about The Uplift in The Chat, head over to our website at www.upliftmentors.org. Join our coalition, drop us a donation, or just spread some love and share this around with your friends and family.